Welcome to episode 257 of Canada's Pinball Podcast. Happy Monday, everybody. I'm your host, Canada. And what in August it's shaping up to be in the pinball world. A lot is going on this summer as we head into the fall, which I don't think anybody really expected that we would have a new Stern game out with Deadpool. We'd have Pirates of the Caribbean. Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle is on the line. Uh, Monster Bass Remake is going to be revealed any day now. You know, all of it happening at the end of the summer. And most of these games, they were supposed to come out far, far earlier on in the year. So it's interesting that this is like the the summer blitz of pinball. Um, So what we're going to do on this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast, we're going to go down the list of manufacturers and we're going to talk about what is going on in their world. We're going to share my opinion about those manufacturers. And here's the thing, all of you out there who listen to this show, if you want to tell me how you feel, just email me at canadapinball at gmail.com because I haven't really received many emails lately and I, I know you guys are listening. I, I still see the, the listening numbers be up around 1,500. So uh, don't be shy. Don't be shy because I would love to read on the air um, your feelings in the pinball world. So where should we start here? I've got a bunch of notes. I want to pull them up. Hold on, everybody. Let's see what we got here. So Okay, so I'm going to get to probably the most dramatic thing that's been happening in the pinball world on Pinside, and that is home pin. But I'm going to cover them at the end of this podcast because I think it it uh, it, it deserves sort of to be the closeout of this show. I want to talk about my last podcast quickly, the warranty wino, and the individual who bought a Houdini and then complain that they weren't going to give them a free part. And that this has had a happy resolution uh, because the good guy in the industry, Joe Newhart over at Pinball Star, has decided to give this guy the part that he needs to get his Houdini up and running. Now, here's my thoughts on this whole thing. Is First of all, I did think it was absolutely ridiculous that this guy starts a thread that throws American Pinball under the bus when he's the second-hand buyer of the machine because most pinball warranties uh, are not transferable if you are the second owner of the game itself. Um, so I think it's, you know, look, it's, it was a good PR move for Joe for sure. I think Joe is probably one of the nicest guys in the entire pinball hobby. And when you're a distributor, if there's one vibe you want to give out to the world, it's that you're going to stand behind your customers. And so I think it's great that Joe did this. Now, the other thing is I don't think this guy learns a lesson because now what happens when the next guy who's out of warranty uh, wants a part? Does he go and complain and does he get a part for free, even though he doesn't deserve it? Now, 90 days is not a long period of time to, to have a pinball machine covered under warranty. I think other manufacturers cover the parts uh, for up to a year, but it is what it is. And I think the lesson from this entire thing is, is just make sure you read the warranties on the products that you buy. And I think it's a habit that we all have is that we usually sign our name on the line without going over the contract about what we just signed. And 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 I know it's it's not always fun. Like we want to get our toy, we just want it to be in our home. Uh, but we should be better informed uh, and better educated on what exactly we're getting when we buy a game. All right. All right, isn't it nice? I've also noticed on on the forum it's really nice that the drama that surrounded Highway Pinball's Alien game and Dutch Pinball's The Big Lebowski, like those threads are starting to be pushed down 
to the basement area of the pin side threads. We're like, it's nice that that drama is sort of evaporating. For those of you who lost money on those ventures, uh, time will heal all wounds. It it just will. Like you'll 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 learn a lesson, and you'll move on. And that's just the way it goes. So, what else do I want to talk about when it comes to drama, though? We saw that John Papaduke will be, um, he will be at Pinball Expo this year. And let's talk about that for a minute because I think a lot of people are saying to themselves, what are you doing, Deep Root? Why are you bringing John Papaduke to Expo? And I think Deep Root is, you know, their, their goal is to rock up with their team. And John Papaduke is a major member of their design team. So what are my thoughts on this, on, on bringing John to the show? Now, look. Uh, we all saw what happened when American Pinball showed up, and, and even when they just talked about J-pop, like the mood in the room just gets really somber really quickly. Uh, it, it, he doesn't bring out the best in people, and there are still a lot of people who are out a lot of money uh, because of John, and there's still a lawsuit going on around John as well. So is it a good PR move for Deep Root to show up with John? The answer is no. I mean, it's not. I, I, I would never say that he, he brings anything um, but negative vibes into the room. But I'd also say that at some point, Robert needs to just rip the Band-Aid off with John at a show, and he's going to need John there. If, if they're making John's games and they're correcting them and they're going to bring them to market, ultimately, John will be a, a, a public-facing figure of Deep Root Pinball. Now, I probably wouldn't have John be anywhere near a Deep Root seminar until one thing happens until they actually get a working J-pop title that they're ready to show the world, I don't think I would have John be anywhere near uh, my seminar or my company until that moment happens. Because uh, people, the only thing that will ever make people feel better about John Papaduke is that he finally figured it out, that he finally got a game to work, uh, and that people can actually buy a J-pop game that is functioning uh, and that works properly. And if, if, if I could give any advice to John and to Robert, what I would do, you know, when John does make his appearance for the first time uh, and publicly addresses people, because remember, he never really has. He never really has publicly addressed a crowd in the pinball world, is I would say, I'm very sorry. Uh, this was all my fault. Um, what happened at Zidor was 100% my fault. I'm not a victim. Uh, and I quickly realized after like not quickly but after a few years I realized I couldn't do this that my ego in designing pinball machines led me to believe that I could tackle more of what I could and that I was actually surrounded by an army of people at Bally Williams that helped see my creations come to fruition and after all of the years of trying to do it on my own and with other people helping me, I'm finally at the right kind of company that can that I need to be successful in pinball. And I super, super duper apologize for ever thinking I could do it on my own. And I'm so sorry for all those who invested in, in my companies that didn't see a product. Now, I'm happy today to say that 
the, my vision is now a reality because of the help I now have at, at Deep Root Pinball. And we're going to work to make sure that everyone who went in on Zidware games uh, is able to get these games uh, with some sort of advantage or benefit because of the money you've already invested in me. And I will not stop until you all are all made whole in this industry. So something along those lines, right? Again, it's neat. you're never going to be able to just pull the curtain off a of John game and, and think all will be forgotten. Now, the other part about this that's always hilarious is how people on Pinside say how, you know, there's going to be this angry mob and the room's going to go crazy and people are going to be shouting out expletives and people are going to physically hurt John if they see him because he took $18,000 from them. Uh, we all know that that's a bunch of BS. I've never seen a community that's more keyboard commando than the pinball community. People talk all this smack on pin side and then in real life, when they're face to face with the people, uh, they, they bow down or they're much more uh, mature about the whole thing. And I think that's good. I don't think anyone should ever threaten John with physical harm. I don't think we should get to a place where we're like laying hands on him uh, because he took your money. I, you know, he's a bad businessman. Right, I don't think he did this to pick a fight with people, um, so I, I think we won't see that happen at Expo. But again, my if I were Robert, I would hold John back until TPF until you actually have like a working version of John's games to show. Uh, I, again, I just don't see the advantage. All right, let's move on to what else is going on in the pinball world. Uh, Stern pinball. So uh, we saw the Deadpool stream. And I think a lot of people are absorbing it. I think a lot of people are happy that this was probably Stern's best stream to date. Thank you to Jack Danger, uh, to Tim over there, to the marketing team, to Gomez, to Zombietti, everyone who was there, to the, to the designer, the coder. Everyone uh, has chimed in and has given people, I think, one of the greatest early looks at a pinball machine that makes people you know, figure out whether or not they want to buy it, which I think is great. Uh, that's what streams do for us. They let us behind the curtain and to see if this is something that we might like. Now, you still have to play a pinball machine. At the end of the day, I still think pinball streams are kind of stupid. I'll tell you why. Because you don't know if you're really going to like it. And you really have to test drive it in person. I, I, I think buying games without having played it is kind of idiotic. I, I really do. They're too expensive. They're, they're just too expensive to go in on without test driving it, right? And, and and that's just my belief about pinball. I do still stand behind what I said that I just think Deadpool is missing the wow. And I'm going to talk a little bit later in this podcast about something that happened to me in the pinball world this weekend where I played a game at a bar and it kind of reinforced what I was saying is that the game to me just doesn't have that one magical element that when you see it happen, it's going to blow you away. I think it's got great art. I think it's got interesting code. I think the LCD is really neat. Uh, I don't know. Will the shiny disco ball, will that be the wow that people are looking for in the game? Uh, but I think mechanically, when I look at Deadpool, I'm just not seeing a lot going on there. Like, there's not even a lot mechanically different from the pro versus the premium. And then there's a lot of money. And then you forget it. Like the Pro versus the LE. Like the fact that the LE is almost, you know, it's like almost nine. It's sorry, it's almost four thousand dollars more. Uh, and I don't, I don't see how you can start to justify 
going in on the limited edition versions of this game when there's nothing mechanically different at all in the game, um, or hardly at all, right? Drop, some drop targets, a diverter, and a disco ball do not equal like $3,500 uh, in, 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 in cost. All right, let's, uh, let's see what else is going on in the Stern world. There's a WWE LE for sale. Get ready for this. In a limited edition WWE, which I don't think they were like, were they like 8000 back then? Um, it's selling for $4,400. So if you've always wanted a WWE LE, you can go get one for real cheap. Um, one more thing in the Stern world. I had a little problem with my Batman. And I'm not sure if you guys have had this issue before. And I, I, my Batman kept resetting this weekend. It was kind of scaring me. It was freaking me out a little bit. Uh, whenever the computer fan would go on, the game itself would sort of freeze mid-game. And then it would restart. And it kept happening. And I, I was like, what's going on here? I, I, and then I did a little digging on Pinside. And I read, read some people talk about the spike system and how it's very sensitive to voltage. Now, I think my issue was, and I don't know because I haven't played many, many games after this troubleshoot. I think because I had all my air conditionings going in my apartment, that that might have caused the voltage in the apartment to go down a little bit which then might have uh, interacted with the spike system causing it to crash. I don't know. I'm not sure. So I'm going to play the game some more. I haven't had issues with this game in an entire year, so I, I think that might be the case. But if you've had any issues with spike and voltage, I would love to hear from you at canadapinball at gmail.com. All right. Let's go on to John. No, not J JJP. Uh, Jersey Jack Pinball. So Jack has done his cartwheel. The truck has arrived to pick up Pirates of the Caribbean. Now, I, I did find it funny that Jack can't even successfully do a cartwheel. I, mean, I feel like he's going to injure himself. Uh, you know, it's funny to me because those three seconds in which Jack is trying to cartwheel, it kind of is like the physical representation of how well I think this company has launched this game. Like, it just completely fumbled what they their intentions were to get this game out in Q1 of, of 2018. I mean, here we are almost at the end of August, and the first games are finally being picked up. Now, that being said, with all that being said, I want to say something that I, that I do believe, and I do feel this way. It's exciting whenever a Jersey Jack game goes out. And when you look at the final product and, and you lift up, the hood of the game because I know one of the, the one got sent to a brewing company. The guy has been awesome in terms of taking photos of the play field, of the artwork, like lifting the game up, showing the final version of everything, talking about how you know the ship rocking works, all the different things that people have questions about. Um, it, it was it's really amazing to see what they put into these games. I mean, Jersey Jack does not hold back, and I've said it before, they pack these games. That he puts everything and the kitchen sink into his products. We all wish that these games would ship sooner. We do. We wish that Jack could get games out faster. Um, but when a Jersey Jack game does get released into the world, I, I think everyone gets excited because there's no denying that this is a higher level of pinball. It just is. If you put Pirates of the Caribbean Ellie next to Deadpool Ellie, next to Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle, you know, next to Houdini, yes, there's going to be price differences. But I don't think anyone 
ever looks at a Jersey Jack pinball machine and says, I don't see the value in this game. I, no one ever says that. Um, they may say it on the collector's edition, uh, but I, I, you know, I'm almost doing like an emotional like Mia Copa and 180 where I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I kind of feel like I'm excited that, I, that Pirates is out, that if I was in the market for a pinball machine, I think you have to really want to get some time on this game and see if it's, see if it's good or not. I, I, I think visually, and I think everything that's in it, I do think that this is the closest we're getting uh, to sort of Bally Williams error pinball in terms of the world being under the glass that has actual things that the ball interacts with. Uh, and that's my main gripe with a lot of the modern Sterns is there's just like, there's just nothing there. Like, what is the ball really interacting with in, in Iron Maiden or, or, you know, in Star Wars and, and, and in, you know, in Deadpool? I, I just, I wish there was just more mechanically uh, where, you know, interacting with the ball. And then you look at stuff like Dialed In and Pirates and the stuff's just jam-packed. Now, look, that doesn't mean the games are more fun because there's more mechanical stuff in it. As we know, uh, what makes pinball great is when it's a dance, right? There's a synergy be between all those things, between the code, the lights, the sounds, the callouts, uh, the physical things on the play field. Uh, but I definitely think, you know, Jersey Jack is giving people a heck of a lot inside Pirates of the Caribbean. So I look forward to playing it. And luckily for me, there probably will be a Pirates of the Caribbean on location in New York City really, really soon. So I look forward to, to hopping on that game, putting a headset on, and telling you my experience with the game, all right? All right, let's talk about Chicago Gaming Company. We're still waiting for Monster Bash Remake. Nothing new there. Moving on to Spooky. Um, Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle is now on the line, and we got a great visual. I think there was something like 12 games, maybe more, that Spooky was working on at the same time. So in terms of production, Spooky has really ramped up their ability to make uh, more games every day. And I think it's exciting. I think Total Nuclear Annihilation, you know, it's a game we don't hear too much about recently. And I was actually starting to realize that when you don't hear a lot about a game on Pinside, it usually means one thing. It usually means people are, are having fun, they're playing the game, and they're satisfied. It's, it's, it's this weird thing with the forum where it's usually when people are like, pissed off that they're talking about stuff all the time um every once in a while you get a great thread like the batman club thread uh you know because there's so much modding going on in batman that keeps that thread going and the and, and it's also the code updates but when a game is pretty much done and people are playing it and they're loving it you know it starts to become crickets on the forum which is actually a good thing i think there's two games to me where like the code is kind of done people are playing it all the time, people are loving it, and you don't really see much action in the threads. And those two games are Iron Maiden and Total Nuclear Annihilation. I, I think they're just games that are inside people's homes and inside bars and barcades, and people are loving them. And, and I think that's a great thing. Uh, and, and I think sometimes we have to remind ourselves that, you know, a lot of the forum chatter, you know, it exists slowly and surely, or slowly, it just exists um, to be a place of negativity. Speaking of neg negativity, we're going to get to home pin. But anyway, um, so that's a good thing. Uh, I did find it interesting that, you know, I, and I called this, that people who want to sell their Alice Cooper Nightmare Castles are going to have an interesting time trying to sell their spots. Because right now, if you go on pin side, 
there are two different Alice Coopers for sale. Um, someone is trying to sell game number 394. So if you're that far into the build, you're going to wait over a year. And someone is also trying to sell game number 66. All right. So game number 394 is for sale. You can buy the $1,000 deposit off the guy for 800 bucks. So you're basically saving yourself $200. Here's what I love. The game that's number 66, you can buy that guy's pre-order spot for $1,200. So he's charging you $200 over to get the game early, or you can pay $200 less and get the game later. Um, just It's just interesting to me, and I don't think this is a great move on Spooky's part, like locking people in like this. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't think seeing a, if we see a bunch of people trying to sell their spots, it just doesn't really look good for the game. I just... I. I think Charlie should have just said, there's just one version of Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle. Forget all the different ways to option it out. I think he should have just made one version and, and that's it. And then that way you don't have to lock people in. The reason he had to lock people in with Rob Zombie is people were, you know, one person would order it with, with the butter cabinet and then they would bail. And Charlie would then have to sell a version of the game uh, that was customized to someone else's desires. But these aren't like real customization, right? Like no one's ordering the game with like crappy brown armor or this or that. Like these, I, these games are still easy to find buyers for, you know? It's, it's not like the auto world where you can order a car in 18 different colors and some of them are just disgusting. I think for the most part, it wouldn't be too hard to find a new buyer. But I think what Charlie saw was that demand for Rob Zombie had dried up and people were selling the game on the secondhand market before he was done with production for much less than a new game cost. And so if you're if you wanted one, you could go get one for like a thousand, fifteen hundred dollars less than new, and then you would bail on your spot. And not only that, then people wouldn't want to go in on the later builds because they would just wait for one to come up second hand. And that's just always going to be the case with pinball. I don't think any of these games are really going to go up in value. Like I you look at Iron Maiden LE. Look how quickly the LEs went from being sold out to I think you could probably go get one for around MSRP if you really wanted one. I think the whole fear of missing out, I have to have it. Um, and, you know, it's silly. Like I sold my Iron Maiden for almost three thousand dollars more than it cost me, and I, I I think those days are coming to a little bit of an end. I think because even if you wait it and you're just patient, you will find every single pinball machine for sale uh, close to. Uh, the original price and with with where games are going now there's just not a lot of room for games to climb up in value there's a short window and 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 as a flipper and I'm, I'm, I'm a self-admitted pinball flipper you've got to sell the game in the first couple weeks now you the advice I give people is this you can tell on day one of reveal whether or not there's money to be made and this is why I, I passed on Deadpool LE there's no money to flip a Deadpool LE and the reason why is simple they didn't sell out they're still available. And if you go on eBay, this is another telltale sign for you guys who want to think about flipping. If the LEs are available on eBay for MSRP, because right now you can go find Deadpool LEs for $9,000 on eBay. And that those listings have been up there for about a week or two. That to me tells me that there aren't more than 500 people in the world who want a Deadpool LE. And so I'm out. There's, there's no money to be made.
you will easily be able to get one for $9,000 or less because there, there's the supply outweighs the demand. That wasn't the case at the initial part of Iron Maiden LE, but even now, like you really, you're not seeing Iron Maiden LEs for sale for $9,000. So that was a game to make money on. Um, will the Munsters be one that goes up in value? I don't know. The Munsters is an interesting theme. I don't think it's like universally the most popular theme, uh, but I keep hearing that Franchi and Borg are going are gonna to knock it out of the park. So uh, just interesting that that's going on at Spooky Pinball uh, with, with those pre-sale uh, spots being open to buy. All right, let's talk about what I think is just one of the most comical threads on Pinside. You really should just go get a bucket of popcorn and read this thread. If, if you want to have a good laugh and if you want a roadmap on how not to sell a pinball machine on how not to position your pinball company. Get some popcorn, pull up a chair, and just start reading the home pin thread. I mean, it is an absolute clusterfuck if I've ever seen one. For some reason, Mike continues to carry on like a pork chop, and he just can't stop carrying on like a pork chop. Like he just, it's just like you would think by now he would learn that he needs to get people excited about his product and his company. And he continues to just do things and say things that just baffle any logic, any common sense you might have will be challenged by this individual. Uh, and and I'm, I'm not sure why he does it. I am not sure why he does it. I think a lot of people are coming to the conclusion that he kind of just likes being a jerk. And I think he takes this stance that he's telling you like it is. And he's sorry that he's not, you know, sugarcoating things, but he's going to give you the truth. And, and he's going to deliver it in a no bullshit way. All right. Now, I think Mike needs to learn one thing, right? He acts as if being nice and honest are mutually exclusive things that you can't be both at the same time. And I almost feel bad for Mike because life doesn't work that way. You can actually accomplish both of those things at the same time. You can be nice to your customers and you can be honest with them. You Just because you're delivering something in a strident, aggressive, angry way doesn't mean you're being honest or doesn't mean what you're saying is what people need to hear. Um, people are buying a toy, Mike. They're buying a toy they don't need from you. Um, what they don't need is to be abused or insulted by you. And so for those of you who haven't been following this story, the genesis of all of this is that Mike took money from Australian buyers first with Thunderbirds, and the first pins that he's shipping are not going to those people. They're going to Canada. And there just seems to be this whole like back and forth with Australian buyers, and they're pissed off that he's not giving them the games when he said they would get them first. It looks like he's chasing new money by sending the games to Canada and not to Australia. Then we've got, ironically, another highway pinball company. They're the distributor for Mike in Australia. Now they're talking about how they're gonna like help customers out. Uh, there's like air freight options. I think Mike said to people at the very beginning that, that shipping wouldn't cost extra. Now it is costing extra. And then you come to probably the most ridiculous part of this thread 
and it's Wayne from Australia and Mike going back and forth at each other. I mean, it is like a cage match. I, I've never seen such sort of vitriol thrown at each other. I mean, and, and it's it's incredible to the point where Wayne is talking about how Mike called him up drunk one night and told him that he was broke and that he burned through all of his wife's insurance money and that he's $3 million in, you know, in the hole and, and these, you know, these idiots who only invested $50,000 are demanding their games. And it's, it's terrible. And then Wayne is like being like, you, you know, you liar, like you this, you that, like I've got $3 million in the bank. I do $10 million a year in sales. I mean, it is just like, sort of like just an ego trip times a thousand. And it's the whole thing. I mean, I'm reading it and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, this is pinball. Like, people just want to buy a pinball machine. Uh, you know, like, you go into Stern's Deadpool thread and it's positivity. You go into Jersey Jack's and people are excited. You go into Spooky and people are excited. You open up the home pin thread and it's like World War Three is going on. And for those of you who say Canada creates the drama, I, again, like, this is why I've always just been fascinated. All I do is capture the drama that is out there. I'm not creating any of this. Uh, this podcast, a long time ago, I, I think we accurately told people who Mike really is and he is this like really angry guy and maybe he could take a page from the the Michael Phelps ads I keep seeing and, and go get a therapist and chill the fuck out because this is not doing anything good for him now I think to summarize all of this though and I think all of you feel the same way it's like what is the point of all of this and the reason why I, I, I say that there's one single thing that I think everyone realizes and it's just like who what's the point and that is very simply the game's not even good like if thunderbirds were great you might put up with this it might be worth it you might be you know clamoring to get it sent to you but the game is not good like everyone who plays this game comes back with like lukewarm reviews i think the pre-order people just want what they paid for they don't care if the game's good or not they already bought it like think about how silly those guys are they bought it without even playing it um, but, you know, look, Steve Jobs was an asshole. Henry Ford was an asshole. But those people made amazing, magical things. They put amazing inventions into the world. Mike might be a jerk, but if Thunderbirds was amazing, all would be probably forgiven. But because it's not, you literally can't help but be like, this whole thing is just going to implode and collapse on itself simply because the game is not there. You know, the only reason why people are still willing to give John Papaduke another shot is there's still belief that he can create a great pinball game. Uh, I, I kind of feel like the, the nails are going into the coffin of home pin pretty quickly. And they're either going to need like another game or two to be ready to go to, to turn things around. But, but how can you really successfully launch a pinball company if your inaugural game is a flop, like I, I don't think you can, like you can't stay in business and hope to get to a good game. You know, Waz sold enough. Charlie sold enough America's Most Haunted. 
I, do they even sell 150 Thunderbirds? I don't know. I mean, he probably needs to sell a few thousand to stay in business. If you think about it like this, let's let's run the math. If Mike is 3,000 in on Thunderbirds, and let's just say he makes $1,000 profit on each one he makes, which I don't even think he could because he's only selling them for $5,000. But let's just hypothetically say he makes a grand on each one. He then has to sell. Are you ready for it? He has to sell 3,000 of them to make um, $3 million back. 3,000 of them. So what happens if he only sells 300? And, and that's the problem is none of these guys do the market research. And if you're going to get into making pinball, uh, you need to make your game great. Now, I still think Ben Heck is right. I think this whole company is a red herring just so Mike can make pinball parts and sell his parts. Um, to, to Stern and other people out there in the world. Because if he can make coils for cheaper, he could probably make more money selling coils to pinball people around the world versus trying to make a game himself. So we'll see what comes of it. Um, but just another crazy home pin thread that, um, you know, that is just enjoyable. And it's in, in its own sadness, it's enjoyable. All right, what else is going on in the pinball world? Not much, not much. I'll say this. I want to close on... I think I have a couple emails I want to read from you guys, and, and something happened to me yesterday. I was just sort of waiting to have brunch with a friend, and I'm in this bar in, in Murray Hill called uh, Brother Jimmy's, and they have a beaten up, probably beaten to crap, uh, roller coaster typhoon, um, or tycoon, did I say typhoon, a roller coaster tycoon, and it was, the, the game's got four flippers, the upper right flipper didn't work. Uh, but I put a dollar in and I started playing it. And first I realized, you know, this is like for most people, pinball and location, the game experience is shit. Like the games get beat to shit unless you're like in a pinball bar where, where the owner really takes care of it. For the most part, when there's just one pinball machine in a bar, typically it's not a pinball bar and the game is going to be crappy. Uh, but I'll say this. I walked away from that game just kind of mesmerized by the amount of stuff that's just in it. You know, just all the different ramps going all the different places, uh, the, you know, the ramp looping around down by the flippers, the, the, you know, the, the rail ramp. And it's just like, it looks like a roller coaster world, like under glass. I'm, I'm going to keep saying world under glass. But I just do think it is kind of comical how little we're getting in some of these modern games when it comes to actually like the physical stuff in the game. And... I, I don't know, like, I keep thinking more and more about, like, how beautiful the games are looking from an artistic standpoint, how nice the displays are, but I really do. I have a wish that Stern Pinball, the number one pinball manufacturer, would literally get back to more of the physical stuff under the glass. I mean, George Gomez would always say they see the game as being a game under glass, and I, I just don't think... The, the recent releases are doing that. I, I think we do see it in Pirates. I definitely think, you know, Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle, that, with that big castle, does give you... It, it To me, Alice Cooper looks like it's halfway there. It's got, you know, it's got this ginormous, like, He-Man Castle Grayskull thing going on. Um, but it's still a very simple game. There's not nearly as much, you know, interacting with the ball uh, as, as I think I would like to see in a game. But again, like, you know, the spooky price point is not super high. Uh, I, you know, to me, it's to me, if I'm to be honest with all of you, I just wish Jersey Jack could get it right. And then that's it. I just wish he could really knock it out of the park with a game because I think we all would buy it. He's always so close. Um, Stern just wins because they've got the best themes and they got the best cadence of shipping. Like they're, they're, 
we know that Stern's going to ship us Munsters by the end of the year. We know Beatles is going to happen. We probably know all these other things are going to happen that are going to be awesome themes. Like, I don't, I don't need to worry if I'm going to get my Stern game. Like, if I buy it, I get it. Like, that's how it should be. No one wants to wait a year for a game. Um, but again, I just think we're just stuck in this compromise. If Stern and Jersey Jack could just unite, we would get the best pinball machines on planet Earth. Um, maybe Stern should just buy Jersey Jack out and have a premium line of games that they charge $12,000 for. No, it's never going to happen. Never going to happen. Anyway, everyone, email me at canadapinball at gmail.com. Speaking of that, let me read a few of your emails, and then we're going to call it a day. We're doing shorter shows. I hope you like it. Um, I hope you like it. Let me pull up Canada's pinball email address. You know, I haven't been getting too many. As I said, I feel... I feel a lonely man. We're going to get more interviews going. I know I haven't interviewed people in a while. I think I explained why. Uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. I got an email from... Do, 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 do. Okay, Bland, Bland. He said, what the hell is, is with everyone blacklisting you? Falcon Punch on dumbass pin side said you will never be on head-to-head ever. Not to mention the bobblehead bet was bullshit so the douche said the more i read pinside the more i'm glad i don't talk to anyone seems mostly everyone on there are peckerheads on head to head it's good to listen to when i'm constipated keep up the good work brother people in 2018 are i don't want to say this words and can't handle the truth and realistic notions peace sean well, Sean, thank you for the uh, very colorful commentary on, on why you listen to the show. And here's the thing. Ryan and I are really good friends. I talk to Ryan every day. When we, we Or mostly every day. But we jab back and forth. But he's not being a douche. The only reason that I will not be allowed to be on Head to Head Pinball is because Marty doesn't want to let me on the show. And I, I think it's a little bit of a shame I would love to come on the show and, and talk with them. I would love to have Marty and Ryan come on my show. Uh, we gave Ryan his 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 shot at, at pinball podcasting fame. I mean, he got his start right here on this show. Um, so I, I think it's 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 unfortunate that Canada can't come on their show. You should email them and tell them that you would love to have Canada on as a guest. And Marty knows it, it would it would it would do gangbusters. I'm much more entertaining than. You know that the the coder they just interviewed at Stern. You know, I'm, I'm, I, it would be a great chat. It would be a great chat. Um, I would even I'm, I should even start to work on my Marty. I, I I'm gonna do a Canada laugh track that I give to them. I'm gonna you know my next podcast. Let me come up with a few examples of what that laugh track would be, and you guys can pick which one I send to them. How's that sound? Does that sound good? All right, all right. Let's go on to another email. But Sean, thank you for listening to the show. Uh, let's see. Drew, Drew, Drew. I got an email from, I'm trying to get someone on the show. Let's see. Alice Cooper and Charlie's designs. Okay. Um, this came from Dave Sanders. Dave said, maybe all Charlie from Spooky really needs is an extra pair of eyes to go over his designs, give them a once over and optimize the space to squeeze every last available square millimeter into the shot openings. Since his geometry seems sound enough, that's what I'm good at. Barry O and I would go back and forth that way. And I assume Ben Heck was doing that before he left. So Dave, thank you. Um, yeah, look, I, I think when shots are too tight in a machine, 
and the game is bricking a lot. I think that's bad geometry. Don't let Roto Dave fool you people out there. Like a, a brick fest is not a good designed game. You you know what makes pinball hard enough? Like having to hit the combos. Like the the actual opening to a shot shouldn't be ridiculously tight. What should make it tough is is getting through the mode and through the code and 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 what you need to do to accomplish that, and and the shots should be makeable. I I, I and I think it, it would help Charlie to have another set of eyes. You know, I heard from Ben Heck that he was, you know, he was helping Charlie, but I think he just got tired of of, of trying to always, as he would put it, maybe like fix some of Charlie's bad designs, and he wanted to just you know work on his own game. And I think that was a little bit of, of the reason why he left. But I think the main reason was he was just tired of waiting for his game to go on the line. It was going to take too long. Um, but it sounds like Dave might be offering you some help, Charlie. So maybe you guys can connect. I, I'd happily connect you two. All right, let's read another user email here. Do, 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 do. Um, this is from Angelo Moro. He's, he writes, Coast to Coast has paid ads on Facebook. He said, hey, Chris, just thought I, I would let you know about Coast to Coast. Um, news to me, I do like his podcast too. Just you and him I listen to. Have you thought about setting up a, a Patreon account? Okay, so that's so it looks like Coast to Coast Pinball, like they, when he did an interview with George Gomez, he actually puts paid behind it to get people to listen to it. And he, it, it, it's a, he has a screen grab from Facebook and there's a sponsored post from Coast to Coast Pinball. Look, I mean, I don't know if Nate makes money doing his podcast. I sure as hell don't make any money. Neither does Head-to-Head uh, -head Pinball. I don't think anyone really does. I think there might be some money that people donate to uh, This Week in Pinball. But I don't do this for the money. I was thinking it might make sense for me to set up a little feature so you guys could donate to the show. I do spend a lot of time doing this show. A lot of time that I, you know, I should be at work. I should be doing other things. Uh, it would be nice. I, I don't know. Would you guys want to donate a few bucks to the show just to show your support? Would you rather buy t-shirts? I'd love to hear from you. Like, In, in what form would you feel comfortable uh, maybe donating to the cause? And it's probably hard for people to to donate to me since I'm always boasting about driving Dodge Demons and buying Gucci clothes and working in market. Yeah, so I, I don't feel like it's more about showing support. I, I don't need the money, um, but it would be nice to have some sort of some some payment from this because it is work. I, I, you know, I'm, we're giving this away for free. Like we're all giving you guys free entertainment. I don't even have a single pinball company that wants to do any advertisements on this show, which always made me laugh. I should just start doing them anyway without their permission. All right, let's go back to um, another one. Oh, and by the way, like I wish Nate would do more shows. I do. I, I He swoops in whenever there's a new game release. He gets like the big interview exclusive and then he, you know, he's gone. Um, so hopefully Nate can, can do more shows because I always love listening to Nate's show. All right, so I got an email. I love when it's like, please don't use my real name. So this person wrote in and said, Hi, Kay. I started the thread the other day um, and just wanted to, it just shows how toxic pin setters can be when asked a simple question. Um, so the, the topic was this. He wrote, I have $100,000 for 12 pins to buy. Which ones should I buy? And of course, a post like that will always set off the pin side people and makes people defensive because you're basically saying I have a lot more money than most of you and I I can go buy a hundred thousand dollars in pinball machines what should I get 
And for a lot of people in this hobby, you know, they don't have anywhere near that in terms of assets or net worth or anything. And so it is a little bit of a boastful way to ask a question. You could easily say, I'm going to buy 10 pinball machines over the next year. Which 10 machines do you think are the best? You know, you could even come up with the story that's like, um, I'm building a barcade or whatever, whatever. You could spin it in a way that doesn't make it seem like I'm richer than you. Here we go. But I also think, you know, when you do a post like that, you are purposely trolling the form a little bit. And it, it's fun to see people like lose their minds when people do uh, sort of show that there are a lot of very wealthy people in this hobby. Whenever I look at game rooms, I, I'm always curious because there's such a, a polarization of finances in this industry. I mean, some guys have, you know, one pin in a beaten down house and some guys have uh, basement arcades that look like they cost like $200,000. So, and everything in between. Uh, but it's great, you know, more power to you. Everyone, this is what makes this hobby great is that no matter if you're rich or poor, I think you can enjoy pinball no matter your financial situation. It just shouldn't be the only thing you have money and that's my whole thing, all right? All right, let's see, I got an email from someone that says, yo, hey Chris, love the podcast, dude. Uh, would like to come on the, the show sometime to talk pinball um, and, you know, give you give you my thoughts while I drink a beer all right or buy a beer for me at TPF all right so we're gonna get some people on the show that's just that's just gonna happen all right everyone we're at the 45 minute mark I hope you enjoyed this episode number 257 of Canada's pinball podcast um, we will be back we're gonna get some interviews I'm getting tired of just talking to you guys about pinball um, I also want to get some time on pirates soon I don't know if Jack and company will let me come by and interview him about the game I'll reach out Jack's always a nice guy I don't even think Jack listens to podcasts he's like too busy getting his company going. So um, maybe we'll do a drive over to JJP. Uh, we'll, I'll try and set that up since they're only like an hour and a half away. Everyone, have a great week. Uh, maybe we'll see uh, Monster Bash remake this week. Maybe we won't. Maybe we'll get a new stream of Alice Cooper Nightmare Castle. Maybe we won't. Uh, enjoy your pinball machines, and we'll talk to you real soon. <laughs>